Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is a creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show, and watch your life grow. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show. Uh, another phenomenal guest uh, and phenomenal movement and mission. Uh, I'm on the phone with uh, Brenna Blanton. She's the executive director of Brilliant Scientists of Tomorrow. You probably have seen uh, many tweets and uh, Facebooks from uh, the Philippe Matthews Show uh, on this phenomenal organization. Uh, Brenda, thank you for being with me today. Uh, thank you, Philippe. Uh, well, let's get into some nuts and bolts here about Brilliant Scientists of Tomorrow. Um, what is the mission uh, of this organization, and uh, how did it come about? Well, the mission of Brilliant Scientists of Tomorrow is to improve science literacy. And that's just it, the mission in a nutshell. <clears throat> And science literacy is defined as the number of adults in a particular country who can follow complex science issues and render an informed opinion. And um, a lot of the public seems not to really understand why science uh, science literacy is such a big issue, um, but it's a big issue for lots of reasons, and actually it's even a, glo- a global problem. <clears throat> the U.S. being... Uh, amongst the most developed nations in the world only has a 28% science literacy rate. And uh, actually the highest science literacy rate in the world is 35%, which is Sweden. And there's not even stats on the on the third world nations. So it's a global problem, and we want to offer solutions to that problem. Uh, when did you decide to uh, launch uh, this, this 501c3, this nonprofit? And I launched it in uh, the year 2010, and that's when I was living in Georgia and I was teaching. My background is in education and in chemistry. been teaching for about 12 years. And then in the education field, I, I saw a lot of problems uh, with uh, education and also uh, with science literacy. And this was actually right before I was getting ready to go over to Africa to teach. Uh, for the past two years, I've been teaching. Uh, in Africa, working as a volunteer—not a volunteer, but a, a visiting chemistry professor. So, 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, when you when you went over to Africa, what did you see? What 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 um, what did you discover? It's like a different world. Um, the first place that I went to was Malawi. Malawi is in the southeastern uh, region of Africa a very small nation, one of the uh, more underdeveloped nations. And um, I found out when I was there that less than 1% of the population is able to even receive a college education. And this is mainly due to lack of resources and lack of opportunities because there were lots of very bright and very brilliant people there that just don't have a lot of opportunities there. And even 
things that we take for granted, like electricity and running water, those are things that are hard to come by in, a, in countries like Malawi and some other African countries. Wow. So when you so so brilliant scientist of tomorrow is this a physical uh, location where kids come to uh, learn science or is this uh, a distant learning program? It's a little bit of both. Right now, it's mainly distant because we like to reach out to people uh, all over. So even though we're based here in Tennessee, we work with people who are from parts of Africa and also in different parts of the U.S., so we do a little bit of both. Okay. So so tell me about some of the programs that you have uh, and what do they do and how do they increase the uh, science literacy of of, uh, children? Well, some of our programs are um, one of our most popular ones that we offer is our professional tutoring uh, in chemistry and in different types of mathematics, and we work with people from middle school uh, up to the college level, and we offer this tutoring at a discounted rate, even free oftentimes, and we like to offer it to, to people who are in disadvantaged communities and also to people who are in underdeveloped countries because um, in those places, opportunities are hard to find. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing that we do. And then we also just offer free mentoring. If there are students in communities where they don't have an example of a person who even has a college degree, but they dream of one day they want to grow up and maybe be a scientist or something, but their peers and others around them are discouraging them. So we mentor mm. both types of students and let them know uh, what kinds of opportunities are out there for them and let them know that it can be done by, by people from all walks of life. Um, um, you bring up an interesting point. Um, uh, so, is it uh, you, you were talking about the statistics earlier in our conversation about America being the, the lowest, even though we're the most developed country? Uh, is it uh, a lack of literacy or a lack of motivation? Uh, what do you think is the contributor of America being so low on the totem pole as it relates to? Um, uh, science literacy? Well, uh, from what I've read and also from what I've seen is that people just don't see it as important. Uh, From people that you talk to day to day, they just look at science as something that's just out there. It's just for a certain class of people, maybe like nerds or like uh, rich people or men or, you know, just certain types of people. They don't see how it ties into everyday life. They don't see why they should care about science is one thing. Then the other thing is not having uh, teachers who are properly trained to teach science. Mm, You find that that here in America and in underdeveloped countries that teachers are just not properly trained to teach uh, the sciences. And even people who know science, like that have their Ph.D. and all of that, they don't know how to teach it. They just know it. And they know mm. and all of that, but they don't know how to break it down to younger people, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they to to learn it because they. Uh, so those are the two main reasons that I see here in developed countries. Now, underdeveloped countries, this lack of resources. They don't even they don't have books. Um, internet is hard. The internet is scarce. Computers are scarce. Books are scarce mm-hmm. in most parts of the world. 
so it's difficult to learn science or to learn much of anything in an environment like that. So how does uh, how how does how does the brilliant scientists of tomorrow operate? You take donations. Uh, how do you take donations through through the web or the phone? How do how do you fundraise? We mostly um, take donations uh, through our website. Mm-hmm. People can go onto our website and they can make a donation. Um, we take and we don't just take monetary. We we also take lots of uh, materials, like. Uh, we take tons of we take textbooks and um use laboratory equipment, even science journals. We like to get them to the underdeveloped countries because they most people in countries like that never see a textbook until they're until they're at a point where they're able to start teaching. If they if they get to a point where they can teach college, that might be the first time they ever get to have their own textbook. Wow. So That's amazing. Right, and it's just hard for us to even imagine something like that in a country. Sure, sure. So so uh, do you find that uh, kids are afraid of science or that they actually enjoy it once they are uh, involved in it and have the right uh, teaching? Yes, I find that most kids and most adults are afraid of science because of the stigma that's been attached to it. Uh, society has made science seem like you have to have a high IQ, you have to have this, you have to have that. And science is just a tool like anything else. It's just like art. It's just like social social studies. It's like any other tool. It's just used in a different way. But the stigma has been attached to it that makes people think, okay, I can't do it. It's too difficult. And that's one of the things that I like to do because um, when I mentor students, I just the same thing they learn in class, I can say it in a plain, everyday way. I can say it in like five minutes what they've learned in class. And they're like, wow, that's all it was, you know, not all these big words, you know. So so what do you think is, is the consequence of um, adults being afraid of science and, um, you know, uh, I guess America not making scientific education something in the forefront? What what are the consequences uh, long term, short term and long term? Well, some of the consequences, I I feel that we're missing out. Like um, on, there's a lot of to me, there's a lot of untapped talent out there. Like even when you go to underdeveloped countries, there's only one percent of them that even get the opportunity to go to college to do anything at all. Mm-hmm. But there's Tons and tons and tons of people there that are brilliant people that can be, become great scientists and solve some of the problems of the world. A lot of the world's problems can be solved by practicing science properly. But most people don't, you know, don't uh, are shy away from the science field or don't really, or they're scientifically illiterate. So that, to me, that's one of the consequences. So how does how does one uh, if if there is a, a kid listening what are what are the ages what's the youngest uh, that that you will mentor and the oldest that you will mentor? Well, the youngest that I mentor are normally age twelve, but uh, we also go out to elementary schools and even sometimes like preschools and do science demonstrations because we feel that it's important to try to spark an interest in science at an early age. Mm-hmm. Because once a, a child gets involved in an early age, it kind of sticks with them because that's what, that is what happened with me. I remember 
when I was four years old that I I used to tell people, like, when they would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would say, I want to get a Ph.D. in math or science. I would mm. say that. I didn't, I didn't know what a Ph.D. was, but I would say that because of the because of the impact that my parents uh, played. Even though they came, from a, they came from a background where they didn't really know a lot about um, education or and all of that, they knew that they wanted more for me, and they would always encourage me and push me and expose mm-hmm. me to science and math before I went to school. And even my father would let me help him grade papers. He, he was a math teacher. He taught at the University of Memphis. Mm. He would let me help him grade math papers, and he would say I, that I did a good job. So I, I was exposed to it at a young age, and it, and, it's, and it stayed with me all of this time. So I like to, uh, to get children at a young age. But we work with all ages, even older people, some people who want to go back to school now and stay-at-home moms, anybody, you know, who's interested in, in uh, learning more about science or or any of our programs, we open it up to all, people of all walks of life and all ages. What is, how, how can people get in contact with you? What is your uh, uh, web address? Uh, our website is uh, www.brilliant-scientist.com. Com. Fantastic. Do you have any other means of uh, people contacting you, like uh, maybe Facebook or Twitter or uh, and, uh, on the social on the social realm? Yes, we have a, a Facebook page. It's um, Brilliant Scientists of Tomorrow, our Facebook page. And we're also on Twitter under that same name. Um, no, under, on Twitter it's Brilliant Scientists. And, um, yeah. That's it, Twitter, Facebook, and then we have our website. Okay, fantastic. Well, brother, what what, what else is coming, uh, what do you guys have coming up uh, with Brilliant Scientists of Tomorrow? What, what can uh, people look forward to? I know you have uh, uh, a weekly and a monthly tip, uh, uh, a science tip and newsletter that comes out. What kind of information can people expect from you? Well, we're getting ready to to uh, host a science fair here in, in Memphis, Tennessee that will be open to the middle school students. And um, this summer we will be we'll host another uh, science camp. And we're also going to do more contests this time because we want to try to re- reward people who do science because people receive rewards when they play sports and all that. We want to show people that you can be rewarded cash rewards for, do, for doing great in science. Oh, that's so awesome. Gonna, thank you. We're going to have more of our uh, science raffles where you can win $1,000, you know, playing our periodic table raffle. We're going to have more science essay contests, and that will mainly be aimed at, like, middle school and elementary school students. Mm-hmm. We'll give them a topic. They write an essay. They can win $100. Um, those, those are the main types of contests that we're going to be offering in the near future. Fantastic. So uh, what are some of your success stories? Um, uh, how many kids have gone through your mentoring program, and uh, what, 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 are some of, what are some of their lives like now in, in terms of a, a, a literal before and after? Well, we've been around for two years, and over the past two years I would say we've worked with maybe a couple hundred students off and on over the past two years. Mm-hmm. And some of the success stories that we have, there was one particular student that we worked with in Georgia because we started off in Lithonia, Georgia. And he was um, 
like a trouble, like a youth that they say was a troubled teen and all of that. He would always be in and out of jail and, you know, threatening, you know, like threatening the uh, kid his mother and, you know, things of that nature. But we worked with him and we found out that actually he was interested in environmental science. You know, so he came and we we worked with him on um, we let him do like a, a small research project, and just uh, mainly um, dealing with renewable yeah renewable energy. So we had a research project that he assisted us on in uh, renewable energy, and we're still in contact with him. And actually, he was the recipient of some of our other um, scholarship awards as well. But he's uh, he's been out of trouble. He's been on the straight and narrow. You know, for the past uh, couple years, and I think part of it for youth like like him, that society may give up on them and they just think, okay, what's my purpose here? But when they feel like they have a purpose and they make a difference and, and they can contribute, then they're too busy working with something positive to get into trouble. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And, That's and then incredible. we have. A, Yes, and so we're we're proud proud of him, and we're still in touch with him. And actually, he's in, going to community college right now, and he's majoring. I think he said he's majoring in environmental science. So really, learning learning uh, science uh, and increasing science literacy, especially for teens, it, it also increases self-esteem and, and self-efficacy. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And then another thing is that we like to try to use it use. Uh, what we do is a vehicle to help um, with poverty. So that's why we like to go to countries like Malawi where the average income is a dollar a day. So you go to a country like Malawi and you have a, a science essay contest where a student can win $100, that $100 can help that whole family for a, a month in, a company, uh, in an economy like Malawi. Mm-hmm. So that's a way for mm-hmm. us to help with poverty problem, even though we're doing it, dressing it up in, in the you know, under science. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Incredible. Well, my dear, you have our, uh, you have the Philippe Matthews Show and my personal full support uh, of the brilliant scientists of tomorrow. Uh, for everyone listening, again, that web address is brilliant-scientistoftomorrow.com, brilliant-scientistoftomorrow.com. And uh, I, I just I would love to have you come back and talk about some of the new things that you're going to be doing, some of the new programs that you're going to be launching, and maybe even have uh, some of your past students uh, uh, come on and, and, and uh, maybe even do some talk about some science and, you know, do some quizzing or something like that, something that everybody can participate in. Okay. Yeah, that, would, that would be great. All right, brother. I thank you so much for sharing some time with me today and your busy schedule, and uh, looking forward for you to come, up, uh, come back on the show. Thank you, and thank you for inviting us. Oh, absolutely. Looking forward to a, a, a more conversation. Right. Thank you. All right, my dear. You take care. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Only 28%. That's right. Only 28% of American adults are literate in science. Brilliant Scientists of Tomorrow, a 501c3 nonprofit organization, wants to change that. You can help. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to know your tax-deductible donation supports their scholarship fund, study abroad, science research, and free tutoring programs, science contests, workshops, and much more. Visit brilliant-scientist.com. Encouraging the next Einstein and bringing science down to earth.